Welcome to EduBlether, a podcast discussing the hot issues in Scottish education. In this episode, we discuss supporting our pupils with a look at targeted support, universal support and barriers to learning. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or Pinterest. You can also read our blog at edublether.wordpress.com. So Jace, it's been a while since we recorded. It has. The Christmas season has got in the way a wee bit. We took a break. We took a break for Christmas. We did. We... In, in that break, we've turned one year old. We have. Since our last episode. We I have. Know. We've now officially been doing this for over a year. Yeah. And this is our 11th episode. Episode 11. We're yeah. not very prolific. No. There's not been 12 episodes, <laughs> but <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we had a wee break for Christmas. We didn't get to do our Christmas special like we did last we year. We did 12 no. amps of Christmas last year, didn't we? Yeah. Basically, we've got very lazy. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I would not say committed busy. enough. Anyway, yeah, no, busy. very, very busy. Lots you know, going what on. You know, following our solo careers and that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, we're still going strong with the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. As always, feedback via the usual channels would be greatly appreciated. Definitely. And we've got still loads of listens. I think we're maybe up at about 3,500 listens now. Yeah. Um, of total episodes, which is great. Um, and we're nearly at the 1,000 um, followers on Twitter. So that'd be quite a, a feat. That would be nice. That. Yeah. So we went for a slightly different format in our last episode, but we're going to go back to our usual format of In the News, our main feature, which is uh, universal, targeted, and barriers to learning around support. And then inspired by and we recommend. So we'll get started with In the News for this episode. Okay, so for In the News this week, we've tried to pull together some positive news stories. But do you know what, Jude? It's really, really difficult to find. It was really hard to find some positive some news stories. Some good news stories in Scottish education. Yeah. And it's not that we're trying to bend the truth, it's just we felt that a lot of the news stories that we've been posting on Twitter recently, a lot of the things that we've been reading, are all painting a very bleak picture yeah, of good Scottish education at, at the moment. Um, but there is hope. There is. There has to be hope, doesn't there? There has to be hope. I think um, there is, definitely. And we're both positive, optimistic people, so we're not going to dwell too much on the negative, but I think it's important to just mention and just paint the picture of where we're at. So some of the, the themes and some of the stories you've mentioned there about the things we've posted on Twitter relate to a possible strike action mm. coming in the next week well around the pay settlement. Um, that's still not been resolved yet. No, and it's looking ever more likely that there is going to be strike action, which everybody wants to avoid, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's obviously a last, last scenario that people would like, but... I think I think there's a very strong possibility that, that soon there will be industrial action. Yeah, and I think that's also painted in a backdrop of budget cuts mm-hmm. for schools, some school closures mentioned recently for local authorities trying to balance their budget, um, budget cuts for CPD, mm-hmm. um, some local authorities looking at reducing the school day so that they save money there. Purely as a as a money saving measure, yeah, yep, to be able which to which is really quite day. sad that that's that's a justification for a change like that. Yeah. You know, I think people would be much more on board if 
if we were changing the school day for an educational for game. teaching and learning or for some pedagogical reason but actually just purely saving as a money as a money saving measure of what precedent does that set mm. and i understand it's a really complex situation and I, i'm not going to pretend at this moment to have all the answers to all of the the challenges i just feel that a lot of the news stories again the backdrop behind this a lot of that is that the the children at the center of this is being lost and the focus on that is 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 being diluted somewhat mm-hmm. by the fact that conditions are becoming so um unmanageable at some mm-hmm. points for certain um for 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 certain groups and people are feeling that way um through as we're saying through budget reasons financial reasons but also just through, for 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 mental health reasons mm-hmm. for I violence know. in the workplace there's there's a huge barrage of 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 news stories all to do with this at the moment definitely it's, and it's i don't think this is something limited to education i think the health is a really important point i mean yeah. how much is mental health um, mentioned in the media and the importance of funding it. You've seen the, the announcement of the UK government's 10-year NHS plan yeah. where they're putting a lot more of a focus on mental health. That's really, really important. But we're not really seeing the resources going with that. So it's not just education. I think at the moment, things are not looking great. Mm-hmm. But on that note, how do we stay positive? How do we stick with we're still doing a really important job as educators and teachers. And that's the important bit. And that's maybe why we've chose today's focus for for the main feature yeah. for today. Because at the end of the day, this issue, as you say, fits within a backdrop of wider societal unrest, mm-hmm. I think. And actually, it's not just on its own isolated in teaching, but actually, we do still have to... Um, meet the needs of the children mm-hmm. in our care, the children that we have a duty over, the young people that we have a duty over. And there's some phenomenal work taking place across the country and all the schools and people that we're sharing with on Twitter, people that we're speaking to, but mm-hmm. just even anecdotally stuff that we're seeing ourselves. Mm-hmm. There is a huge amount of wonderful work that's happening. And we just want to shine the spotlight on that a bit and have a discussion about... Um, targeted support universal support barriers to learning sort of open that up a bit and think about exactly what that means what you can do within the kind of resources that you have within your school what's really good practice Mm -hmm. within that so the art of the possibility i think is a real important thing to remember that we're still very much in charge of our destiny yeah we have a control a lot of autonomy and autonomy and i think what was really reassuring for me when we spoke with andy and really quite actually we need to just check where we're at because mm. Andy said that the impression he had of Scottish education, Scottish schools and all the things that we have in Scottish education, we're in a really good place compared yeah. to our colleagues in England and the rest of the UK. So although it doesn't maybe feel like it all the time for some yeah. colleagues, actually we're in a good place. We've got, you know, systems across the board that are there to help us that we probably take for granted sometimes. Yeah. For example, stat the GTCS, the standards, it's not something that our English colleagues no, certainly have. That's not a universal thing. No. no. And having that there is that supportive mechanism is actually fantastic mm-hmm. and really unique mm-hmm. and, 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 and interesting. So we need to stick with the positive. Yeah. Okay. Should we move on to our main feature then? I think we should. I think we're naturally... We've progressing meandered yes, into we it. have as if we planned it that way yeah so this is on supporting our pupils and we've chosen to break that down into targeted support yeah 
universal support and barriers to learning. Yeah. So what do we mean by targeted support then? As a start of? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. And I, w- I wonder if maybe we want to think about universal support to begin with, actually. Okay, Just I'm thinking it's difficult because actually all three mm-hmm. are, are interwoven. And the reason I was suggesting we start thinking about universal support is that you can't really talk about universal support without talking about targeted support and you can't yeah i suppose they're all one in the same so i suppose but by support generally what we're meaning is basically the bread and butter of what we do within mm-hmm. a school it's about providing support to allow learners to overcome the barriers to learning mm-hmm. any barriers to learning um whether so that, that be attendance behavior um attainment a health reason yeah family circumstance it could be absolutely anything as a barrier yeah Anything that stops them learning, really. Anything that stops them learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's worth noting as well that that's not just for children with very extreme, complex, additional support needs necessarily. That, that, that As you say, that's a, such a wide range of reasons that mm-hmm. might be a barrier to support or a barrier to learning, rather, for them that, that presents that need for targeted support. But the targeted support needs to be grounded within really robust strong universal support Mm -hmm. um which is why i was thinking we maybe need to be thinking about that so what's done within a school that's before it even gets to that really focused targeted support because i think there's some really interesting and unique and and really robust ways to offer targeted support Mm -hmm. that we can both speak about i think Mm -hmm. uh, quite so universal support Mm -hmm. for me then starts with every child having someone who knows them really well. So a trusted adult, someone who maybe see on a daily basis. So that would be transferable across secondary and primary that someone they will see every day that knows them really well and is able to just check in with them, Mm -hmm. is able just to keep an eye on their welfare, just chat to them to see if mood changes, to see you know, if their appearance changes, mm-hmm. all these things that can yeah. be really, really effective un- uh, universal support. And I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head there because actually all of this, identifying the barriers, providing that universal support and, and then being able to make that targeted support really worthwhile comes down to relationships. Without Absolutely. that relationship, without the child being at the centre of that and understanding that child as a person, you're never going to be able to achieve or make an impact with any support. And you could throw lots of money at a problem. You could throw lots of really technical and and really invest a lot of time into that and it wouldn't have the impact unless you, exactly. unless you have relationships. Unless you have that relationship. Because that's the one thing that if that relationship was to disappear overnight, mm-hmm. for instance, would have the biggest impact, you know? Definitely. And it's it's about those things that the children can't do without. And that's why it's so, so important to build those relationships and invest that time and effort into actually just getting to know that young person and their family in the, in the context that, that, that they're in. And I think that's a really good way to be looking at universal support and thinking about what what that means Mm -hmm. and what that looks like. Um, I wonder, it's an interesting question then, maybe at this point, to be thinking about, again, part of this this sort of news story at the start is about inclusion Mm -hmm. and equity. and, And what about that issue about, if we're thinking about support, about things being unfair there's there's sometimes a perception that when some children are getting more support than others there's a perception even 
within the profession sometimes I yeah. feel that it's that it's unfair talk to me about that what's your what's your answer to that I don't know it's really difficult it's because tricky. it's really tricky because you're really bound by treating each individual as you see them mm-hmm. um, but also you can't really share what support someone is given for what needs they have because mm-hmm. that would be breaking any confidentiality so you can't really say, oh, but we Jimmy gets this, but Sally gets that. Yeah. Because you would be sharing the information inappropriately there, either with parents who may be complaining about that or other pupils. Yeah. Or indeed staff. Um, probably staff would understand the needs, I would hope, of those two children and would understand better mm-hmm. than maybe parents or um, children would. But I think it's really tricky because... We strive for equity. That's what we want. But every child needs something different. And yeah. In order to have the same opportunities, that's really, really challenging. I think it's and, is it really. And the reason I ask that question is because it's a challenge I come across daily. I think you know, and trying to be to to rationalise that and being in the job that I do, I'm, I'm often involved in the decisions about support that mm-hmm. can be put in place to reduce barriers mm-hmm. towards learning and it's it's it is tricky sometimes because the perception sometimes um that support is visible sometimes yeah. do you know the support that these children are getting it might involve them spending time out of class it might involve them yeah. doing something really fun and engaging and exciting that all, not all children are getting to do and that when that question of unfairness comes in it's really it's difficult because I feel very strongly about it but then the the the, the data protection side of it limits what you can and can't say sure, and it's, yeah. it becomes a really a really delicate complex issue to negotiate mm-hmm. and then I think as a result of that actually it becomes there, there can be the perception that things aren't working or things aren't working as well as they are. Yeah, and that's probably been brought out a lot more with the pupil equity funding. Yeah, because people are having to think about targeted groups of young people that this money is supposed to be used for. But then some schools are looking at that as a universal offering, mm-hmm. um, and actually they're improving the the offer for all young people mm-hmm. in the school. But that's also catching those who need that targeted support. Um, so it is really, really challenging and really tricky. Mm. Um, and I guess other education systems have gone down, the money follows the child. Mm-hmm. You know, the pupil premium is probably quite similar yeah. um, to the PEF funding. Um, I don't know, that's a challenging one and mm. probably not be easily solved. No, I know. Um I think I'm uh, another sort of connected question then what what would you say in your role as as a school leader what would you say is your biggest barrier to learning to overcome at the moment what's your biggest the biggest challenge that you're facing from a support perspective I think it has to be what we mentioned in our news and that's mental health mm. I think mental health yeah. is so so difficult and so complex and it comes in many different forms so it might yeah. be stress it could be anxiety it could be depression um, and when you look at the statistics trauma. of mental health and the rise yeah amongst not not just the whole population but the, specifically amongst young people definitely and i think the it's fact so alarming, that services and um, you know schools 
are being equipped with a lot more support to try and support young people with mm-hmm. mental health. So, we've, you know, in our school recently, we had staff going through um, the mental health first aid qualification. Oh, wow. So that they're actually upskilling themselves and oh. their understanding of mental talk, health. Talk to us a bit more about that. That sounds really interesting. Um, so basically our staff volunteered um, to go through this first aid qualification, but it's focused just on mental health. Wow. Um, series of twilight sessions, basically about understanding what mental health is, the different types of mental health, what supports out there, mm-hmm. how we can try and support young people to be more resilient themselves. Because um, I think that's probably one of the other challenges with mental health is naturally people are looking for a solution yeah, and are looking for maybe our, their GP or they're looking for their teacher or they're looking for another health professional to try and resolve the issue. But actually, probably a lot of it needs to come from the individual first and foremost. Yeah. And that's really difficult because naturally we want to help people. Yeah. Naturally, if we're in crisis, we need help yeah. and we want help from someone. But I think that's it there. And actually, I like that idea of a, of a sort of first aid targeted towards mental health and actually being more aware of some of the earlier signs and looking at early yeah. intervention so we can be a bit more proactive with it rather than reactive. And I think I've certainly seen a lot of that um, in terms of through the universal support that's been sure. offered, sort of whole school support in terms of um, programmes, health and wellbeing programmes that mm-hmm. focus on on health and wellbeing. And the resilience. Shift towards, yeah, building resilience mm-hmm. and looking at being resilient and really understanding how the mind works how the brain works Mm -hmm. and i think i've seen an increase in understanding in the language and just that that consistency in language that's been used across the profession but also a a consistency and understanding with parents Mm -hmm. with regards to that so I, i definitely think there's been a shift yeah i would say so i wonder though how do we resolve the mental health crisis we have because we're putting as schools and educational establishments are putting a lot of support in health are recognizing they need a lot more support i mean are we losing the fact that actually if i think back to when i was at school um and i think when i was doing my exams it's okay to there's a healthy level of stress mm. and anxiety around exams mm-hmm. but at what point does, does it become an unhealthy anxiety mm-hmm. and it that's really for me the dilemma that what we don't want is we don't want young people who can't cope with anything because then you know life as it throws things at you yeah you're not able to cope with anything how do we get that balance about okay it's okay to be worried about an an assessment coming up or it's okay that your exams are coming up in may to be worried and anxious a little bit but how do we get to manage that and this is the thing, the, the the aspect of this that I'm finding so tricky mm-hmm. is because, again, teaching doesn't exist in isolation. We, nope. we, we have an opportunity to have a huge impact on the lives of the children and families that, mm-hmm. we, that we work with and the communities that we work within. But we can't do it on our own. And no. so much of that comes down to parenting, comes mm-hmm. down to the community in which they're within. And that's why I think we do really need to be considering how we're approaching this, working in partnership with external agencies, with 
communities and families really thinking about how we are all delivering that same message because it's it is challenging when you can see that happening children that are really lacking resilience and lacking persistence and a sort of mental robustness you know to be able to deal with these challenges that that actually i i feel that that could be avoided if if there was that consistent message coming from everybody but I, i find what's happening then is that it's presenting children are presenting with behaviors with mm-hmm. attitudes that that it's already at breaking point mm-hmm. when it presents as something that's a serious disruption towards their learning or learning of others and then it's almost like we're kind of pedaling backwards to try and get to the point that we can fix it and it's back to what you're saying so it's gp referrals or it's mm-hmm. school nurse or it's cams or it's another service that, that that are now becoming oversubscribed because everything's getting to that point that it's boiling over and it's actually i think we need to go right back to grassroots level mm-hmm. and i'm saying this as if i'm i'm not the first person to be thinking this of course i'm not and i'm not trying to say well i've got all the answer because we need to do this but it's just being within it that's definitely a problem that mm-hmm. i can see and so I think early intervention and working in partnership is is definitely the answer for all support and basically young people, yeah, yeah for, working for in partnership and that's it you can't you know you can't do it without your social work your educational psychologist I think is absolutely crucial such a key part to the team in yeah. providing that support um, and probably need more of that yeah do you know as unless we find different ways of managing that mm-hmm. but equally uh, community link workers. Um, attendance officers yeah youth workers all of these people school nurse have a role to play yeah um within supporting our pupils yeah um, what would you yeah, say is the biggest barrier to learning in the primary sector it's it's a really challenging one because i think mental health um is definitely i think that i would i would agree okay. with that one and i suppose i was going to then direct the conversation towards behavior Okay. And how behaviours supported because behaviours are, I, I see that as a sort of rising challenge um, in terms of... So classroom behaviour, yeah, classroom and, management. Uh, and I think, so not just not just the, the sort of usual low-level classroom management, okay. um, uh, what would maybe be deemed to be sort of quite extreme or violent behaviour towards teachers towards because there's a lot of young people um who are dealing with mental health challenges or um very sort of specific diagnosis things like adhd asd that 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 presents a lot of the behavior that presents itself um with children with these diagnoses is is violent and can be very violent and i think it's so i'm not wanting to phrase that as a these children are the biggest challenge it's more that it's it's a challenge in that those young people exactly with that challenge and it's how do we adapt as schools when there is a presumption to mainstream Mm -hmm. how do we adapt when when inclusion obviously is is the is the policy and i I firmly believe in that as Mm -hmm. well how do we adapt to that when we're seeing extremely um distressed behavior mm-hmm. coming from from a group of children various children in the numbers i would say are rising and i think you only need to look at some of the news stories to see that kind of violence towards teachers in the stories yeah. there so it's behavior is a really complex again another really complex and delicate issue to be talking about because 
all behavior is a form of communication mm-hmm. and I think we have to subscribe to that belief and then it's difficult then because it's about unpacking what that wide range of complex distress behaviors that we're seeing mm-hmm. um what does that mean and how do we address that and actually that can be coming from a wide range of reasons you know in terms of yeah. traumatic childhood that can be a very specific um but I guess what our role, our role in this is to make sure that young people have consistent expectations yeah. and that we follow through with things that we're saying we're going to do, that it's very clear the boundaries, that there's loads of praise, there's mm-hmm. loads of opportunities for success to be c- celebrated. Um, I mean, all of these things will help. I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where there's not going to be an issue with behaviour in no. our classrooms because we're dealing with young people, as you say, with backgrounds that are sometimes quite traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also teenagers. Yeah. Or young people developing and growing up. Yeah. So they're they're trying to push the boundaries. They're trying to find the loopholes mm-hmm. in, in certain things. So I think that's something we're probably just going to have to accept that that's part of our role. Mm-hmm. But I think what you're talking about, the more violent end of the spectrum, yeah. is concerning. It is concerning. It is. And it's it's difficult because I'm conflicted with my opinions on okay. this. I think because, and rightfully so, there's lots of um, stories in, in coming out in very kind of really high profile cases in terms of news stories that are coming out where there's extreme violence towards teachers and teachers shouldn't have to come to work to to feel like they are Mm -hmm. uh, there's a threat of violence towards them just like there's stickers on the bus saying drivers come to work not not wanting to be hit it is it is very similar but i also think then you can't as i've said quite a few times now you can't separate teaching from the rest of society, do you know, and uh, to 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 recognise that mental health is increasing, do you know, concerns towards mental health. We're seeing a rise in children being diagnosed with ASD, mm-hmm. which is fantastic because we're understanding it more. We're understanding ASD more, so we're able to spot it and be able to diagnose and be able to kind of help work with with uh, children with very sort of specific additional support needs now. But what it's also meaning is that there's there is a lot of extreme violence in in schools, and I think it's difficult because we're at a point where I, I think the argument is, and this is the the conflict part, because the argument is that there's not the support there, there's maybe not the funding there to be able mm-hmm. to truly support that in the way that it needs to be supported. Um, but then equally, I've also seen it be supported very well do you know yeah. and it's a difficult one and it's back to the point that you made at the start about there is no real sort of, you can't just mirror support for one child that you can give to another like every mm-hmm. child will need a different level of support so I find it hard to to sort of have a, a sort of sweeping generalization about how we can cure this problem because actually the causes of all these behaviors are so they're they're different for every single child mm-hmm. that's there but there is it's important to recognise that pattern there and that there is an increase, I think, in terms of violent incidents that are being recorded within schools. And coupled with that, there's also an increase in 
parents that are complaining about teachers to the GTCS as well, which just creates a really difficult and stressed and strained environment, I think, and that, that, that teachers are feeling more culpable, yet there's also a rise in violence, and it's a really difficult sort of disconnect to, to, to manage, I think. I don't know, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I agree with that. Yep. But that could just be my experience, and I accept what you're saying to me. Um, I guess for me, the important thing I need to keep remembering is that as a profession, we are in control. Yeah. And it's important to remember that, because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes there is a tendency to forget Mm -hmm. that events control us rather than we're in charge of this. So, you know, if we don't change anything in terms of our systems or our structure, or if we actually don't say, well, do you know what, I'm not accepting that, Mm -hmm. then we're kind of accepting it by not changing anything. Yeah. So I think that reassures me that, you know, there are points at which you do feel out of control, but hopefully they're few and far between. Yeah. Yeah, it's a reaction to that. Yeah, if it became a regular thing, then I would be quite concerned mm-hmm. um, and if certainly I did not have anything I could change then I would be worried but I feel that I have I agree. that control yeah. and that power to change things but that's the tricky bit I think that's where the conflict comes from because that <clears throat> I think is that change that, that we have the power the the autonomy to be able to change mm-hmm. is is quite a shift, I think, when you couple that with with a, a rise in more complex, more a, a kind of rise of numbers in terms of mental health and additional support needs, and more complex additional support needs that we're seeing. So, I think I think it's it's because it's not what's gone before. So it's almost like we're mm. we're having to to reinvent and think really creatively about potential solutions and systems and ways of working that we can help reduce barriers for all learners and I think that's really tricky and so I agree with you in the terms of that actually we are in control of the way that we react to that situation and within a even within a school um within that sort of school community a very small school community you have a lot of power and control over the systems within that school setting which is which is a really good protective measure for everybody mm-hmm. but i think it's also it's, it's it's difficult to to look at that in in relation to the this backdrop of of some really negative stories that we're seeing come up which is which i think is sort of symptomatic of of the way that things are that we're maybe not changing fast enough or there's maybe not uh, as much of an awareness as to how to best tackle these with the kind of wide range of targeted supports, or that there's just a system that's under strain. You know mm-hmm. that it's that they're yeah. finding it hard because it's reacting to things that are really challenging and and complex, but it's reacting to them there and then. Mm-hmm. And it's more reactive than it is proactive. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But is I mean it's 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 a really interesting topic, support I I feel because Do you think I think we're getting it right for our pupils, generally. Yeah, I mean that's such a wide, huge question. I think every every professional that you would speak to would say that they are 
working their hardest to ensure that they get it right for every child that they're working with. I know that there have been times where 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 you look at a situation and and you you think I need to keep driving forward because I need to find the thing that's going to make me get this right for this child. And that's a really difficult sort of limbo period to be in. I don't know if you've ever been in a similar situation oh, yeah, when there's a child who's in distress, who's mm. who's the barriers to towards learning are would appear to be insurmountable to that child or, or their family. And it's about really pushing through and being persistent in that moment because you know with the wide range of partners, with the range of experience, even within a school setting, that, that you will be able to find that, that right thing to help that child, that young person. But it's tricky when you're in that 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 period of limbo where you're just trying to figure it out and trying to figure out exactly what that bit of support that's going to fit for that child is. And I think as teachers, hard. we're always really good at really focusing on problem solving so we yeah. see a problem and we want to fix it how can it. we fix this what's so the answer we want to try absolutely anything we can and we go through everything for some young people to try and find the thing that works for them um, and i think that's a testament to the hard work and dedication yeah. and the skill set of the people we have working with us yeah. every day um, and i think we are getting it right i think there'll be some young people some parents and some staff that will not agree with that. Yeah. But I think generally we do a really good job. I think so. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think, I think, just speaking from my own experience, seeing how flexible partners are and colleagues that I've worked with are in terms of figuring out what is the things that we could do here to to help this child and being as creative and thinking outside the box and, and just sitting down and saying... I don't know because we've not done this before. We've not yep. experienced this before, but what can we do? Here's my mm. capacity. Here's what I can offer to the table. Let's see if this works. Let's try this. Let's work. And that always comes back to what we said right at the top of the show today about knowing the child, putting the child right at the center and building a relationship with them. Because I think if that happens to the child rather than with the child or the young person, it, it becomes just superficial and and really sort of synthetic whereas actually if you can truly work with with the child with their family that's where you'll see the long lasting impact that's where you where you will see really getting it right for every child and i think that's that's important for us to remember and i think i think that's a really positive way to be thinking about this because actually we are working incredibly hard and i think some of the pressures and some of the things that we're seeing come through in the news is because as a, as a profession, we care mm -hmm. a huge amount. And as a statutory service, we see the children every day. Yeah. And we, we see them go through that progress. We see them f for since they were three years old, you know. And that's, that's why, because we do care and they're involved in the community, we see the children and the families and we care so much to the point that we do work very, very hard and work ourselves to a point where we become stressed because we want to help so much. So I think on that positive note, yeah. we'll maybe stop it there. I think we will, yeah. Good. Okay, so we'll move on to Inspired By which is our feature where we look at something, a bit of a bigger idea, something that you can take and really 
develop your practice with, look into a bit more detail, and Jace has been inspired by something. <laughs> so Stop praying. <laughs> I'm kidding. So the thing that I'm choosing to share today is actually um, the Scale into Headship program that I'm currently working on and participating in. Fantastic. And you spoke to us on a, on a previous episode about you starting that, I think. I did, You were yeah. going to be starting it. So how's it gone? Uh, good. So we're... Finished course one, which was about um, strategic educational change, where we're looking at local, national and international policy perspectives, Um, looking a wee bit about being critical in your reading Mm. and writing and analysing what things are saying and actually questioning things. And I think that's quite a powerful thing, because how many times do we read something or how many times do we hear this is going to be of benefit and you just take it for granted because, because it you've comes, been told yeah. comes from the government or it comes from this education body or education scotland and actually that criticality 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 <laughs> about truly you know ripping it to shreds and going well who who funded this or mm. or what's their work or you know what are other people saying about this what does the research say to back this Absolutely. up? Absolutely. Yeah, and what, what how the research robust. might say something, but what about the practice? Yeah. You know, what does that look like? Because the theory and the practice are very different or could be different. And that's really interesting that that's so this is the the course into headship is basically the the future leadership of, of education because it's it's you have to have this to be a head teacher. I think at the moment it's after twenty twenty. Okay. You would have to have this qualification or the flexible routes to headship or the SQH. So the SQH and flexible routes to headship were the previous incarnations of this course. It's now into headship, which is the only um, master's level qualification that you would get. And you would, so as well as getting the master's level qualification, you would also um, achieve or meet the standard for headship. So you're, you're working through the standard for middle leadership, uh, sorry, for leadership and management. Okay. But the, the professional actions for head teachers. Excellent. And I think it's just really interesting to know that that's the way, that's the first course. So that's the thing. It's about yeah. being critical, about mm-hmm. challenging things, about looking at the yeah. world around you and looking at what you've been doing. And that's, that's a really encouraging thing, I think, yeah. for, for all sort of future head teachers to be trained to be doing. And, and actually, I mean, not many people will probably have engaged that much, but um, in all of the standards, you know, the standard for provisional registration, full registration, yeah. career-long professional learning, middle leadership and management, <laughs> yeah. they all have a commitment Research. to yeah. critical reading, engaging with theory, practice, policy, and being critical. Yeah. But do we see that in practice? No. Probably not. And certainly not at master's level, which is also... No. yeah. And like, we know we, there's been a discussion around master's level qualification for Scottish education for a wee while. We've not gone down that route yet. No. Um, another part of the course, Jude, is um, about your development. So really personal, reflective. Yeah. So um, 17 people in my current school um, completed a 360 evaluation oh, about wow. me. Give me feedback. That's scary. Um, it is and it isn't. It depends what your feedback is like. <laughs> well, yeah. Mine's just good. Okay. okay yeah. Anonymous? Um, it all comes in anonymous. Um, it's online, anonymous. It goes to a group 
um, I think it's um, I can't remember the, the name of the company that pulls it together and you get a nice report and someone from scale sits down with you and talks you through wow. in a coaching style and asks you questions about why do you think this why do you think that um, so that's really interesting there's also a free comment section at the back so you can see uh, through various graphs where you're at with various competencies mm. um, around emotional intelligence but you can also get some free text about what your strengths are and what your next steps are now that's just a snapshot at that yeah. point in time that's other people's opinions you're looking for trends and things trends across that yeah rather yeah. than just one person thinks you're an empty and yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was me yeah <laughs> Um, and part of that is about you reviewing your 360 evaluation and comparing that to the standards and the professional actions of head teachers. Okay. Because you're trying to see, right, what are you currently doing? What do you need to improve in order mm. to get to the standard for headship? And you're also looking at what the literature's saying. So, for example, if I have to um, be better mm -hmm. at developing a vision, a strategic vision, what is the research and literature saying about strategic vision? Oh, wow. So you have to really dig deep about that and critically, this analyze is where the it, criticality yeah. comes into wow. it. Um, you've got to really analyse it and dig deep in that. So that's that's course one. Um, what I've also been engaged in as part of this course, my head teacher supports me mm. on a regular basis, but I also have uh, another supporter out with my current school oh great so someone who's so not in that an independent mentor yeah. so it's a head teacher from another secondary school um who will get to know me but is able to have that kind of out with the school removed from yeah. and i think that's quite that's healthy yeah. as well um well that sounds really inspiring and yeah. has there been sort of just one thing that's inspired you most about the whole process what's what's the thing that's made you most inspired? what i've really enjoyed about it all is the professional dialogue with colleagues, with colleagues yeah. um, because you're with similar type of people you're you're engaging in literature for probably the first time since my teaching career started um and it's really although the reading is heavy and there's lots to read it's really interesting and I would encourage other people to pick up a book, to download a journal and there's loads of stuff out there that you can read and engage with. For free as well. For and free, through, absolutely. Through scale, through um, GTCS. And and no doubt if your school's anything like mine, your school will have its own professional learning um, library where you will be able to pick check out books, books well, yeah. and you'll have loads of opportunities. Great. Um, so really enjoying it. We're, we're not halfway through, but we're... You're through a course and you've, you've passed your first course. Yeah. So well Which done. Is good. Thank well you. done, Jay. <laughs> and we look forward to having updates as, yeah. as you progress through that. That sounds great. So I'm going very Jeremy Paxman here and I'm putting you in the hot seat again. Yeah, you're doing very well at your interview. <laughs> good, I'm glad. But uh, Jace also is going to recommend something for us today. I am. So or we recommend feature. Hmm. Um, so I'm recommending My World of Work. Have you used it? I'm aware of the website, but I've not properly used it. So tell me all about it, please. So My World of Work is a website that's been developed by Skills Development Scotland, um, which is the national body um, for skills development. It's a lot of focus on developing young workforce, mm. um, about careers and future plan, positive destination, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think... 
traditionally they mainly focused on school leaver, but they're now working with certainly in, in my school they're working with all secondary schools. Yeah. And increasingly they're also looking to work with primary schools on using this. And my world fantastic. of work is a really fantastic resource. Um young people sign up for their own personal account. Yep. They can create their own um C V in there. They can complete surveys which helps them identify strengths and next steps. They can find a job. They can look at skills-based training. They can look at loads of opportunities that come up. But I think one of the most exciting developments I've heard about recently is they're planning to include the profile oh, wow. within my world of work. And actually that makes loads of sense because at the moment we do a profile with our young people in third year, at the end of third year, um, and it's on a bit of paper. Mm-hmm. How amazing would it be if they started that in primary they then completed it on this website. They were able to look back and reflect on that. On their progress. And then update their progress in secondary. So it was just one system. And you know me, I love digital technology. Yes. So this it's is just a fantastic example of that. Fantastic. So that's myworldofwork.co.uk. And there's lots to explore for primary school age children right up to high school children as well. It looks fantastic. Have a look. We'll put that in the show notes. We've reached the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening to our episode all about supporting our pupils. Remember, you can follow us at EduBlether on Twitter and check out our website, which has got a lot more content, edublether.wordpress.com. So thanks so much for your continued support and please remember to rate us on your chosen podcasting app.